Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is a creator-owned spotlight. We're here today to talk about a Zoop campaign that's starting very soon. The campaign is for a book about Gilgamesh called Gilgamesh Eternal. That's right, Gilgamesh from uh, legendary ancient times, myths and legends and whatnot. And we're going to talk to the writer of the book, Cam Kirkhugh. Uh, he's going to tell us all about it. So thanks for joining me, Cam. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so the campaign on Zoop, uh, it launches January 31st, and this is a campaign for issue two. You can also get issue one, uh, which you previously self-published. Um, was that a, a Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, that was a Kickstarter campaign that we held, uh, I think, at the tail end of 2021 uh, and fulfilled in March. So it's been a, been a minute, but. Gotcha. So. Uh, how did you find that experience on Kickstarter? What made you want to move over to Zoop? Uh, well, the first Gilgamesh campaign was was pretty great, actually. I was uh, really excited to see the uh, amount of support that I did. I wasn't really expecting it, but um, the second campaign, for whatever reason, kind of fell off a little bit. Um, I think probably it has to do with, uh, you know, just me stretching myself a little bit too thin last year. I got married and I was planning a wedding and all of that. Um, and I think I jumped the gun a little bit too early with Kickstarter. So when the when the guys from Zoop reached out and asked me if I wanted to retry on their platform, I was more than excited to uh, uh, check them out and see what they offered. Gotcha. So, um, you know, I mentioned Gilgamesh and, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Even in the description for the Zoop campaign, it talks about it being the world the world's oldest story, um, you know, 500 or 5,000 years old rather. And what's interesting to me about it is it survived all this time. And we don't even know there, there likely were other stories. And when we say stories, like a lot of the things that were written back then, you know, ancient Samaria, they're told in poems, you know, and I, anybody who's kind of familiar with the Odyssey and Iliad, which probably draws a lot of inspiration from, um, from Gilgamesh actually will kind of be used to this sort of ancient way of telling stories the language can be flowery and whatnot. So um, being that it's so old and so open to interpretation because uh, language changes over time, what made you, when you decide, okay, I'm going to make a comic, what made you choose Gilgamesh of all things? Uh, well, you know, I never read Gilgamesh in school, but um, I thought it was interesting that everybody kind of knew his name, uh, but not everybody could sort of tell you the the basic myths the way that they could with uh, a lot of the Greek myths, for instance. Um, so that's what kind of drew me to reading it for the first time. And uh, after reading it, I was really struck by, you know, I'm eternally interested in how how old it is and um, how uh, relatable it is, even though it's 5,000 years old. It's speaking to these really interesting, uh, basic internal struggles of, of humanity. Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent true. Uh, I did have to <laughs> have to read it in school. I mean, it was college, um, but you know, I went to a college where there was a lot of uh, like philosophical and classes and whatnot. So, so that was great. So, I'm I'm familiar with it. But e even even saying that, <laughs> it's not an easy story to describe, and I I think a lot of times. It, you know, even if you were to describe it to people, because so many things, you know, again, people know the name, but they don't realize it came first. You start talking about him slaying monsters and, you know, being a semi, a uh, demi, demigod, you know, half God, half human, whatnot. 
And people are going to go, well, isn't that a ripoff of Hercules? When actually it kind of goes the other way uh, around, right? Yeah, absolutely goes the other way around. I think that's the another thing that, that interests me so much about Gilgamesh is that he, um, you know, because it's so old and uh, the, the tablets are 5,000 years old, but we can kind of assume that the oral tradition is much older than that even, you know, uh, and uh, so he's, yeah, kind of kind of the blueprint for a lot of myth uh, that we know today. And we don't really know that that we can attribute it to him. Um, you know, there's uh, it's it's interesting, the parallels between Gilgamesh and uh, the book of Genesis, for instance, the, the flood story that's outlined near the mm-hmm. end of uh, Gilgamesh is very, very similar to, you know, uh, Noah's Ark and um yeah, you can see a little bit of Gilgamesh in probably all epic heroes. Yeah, and again, I just I find it fascinating because again, I you know, like I said, I've read Gilgamesh, but I'm more familiar just because I don't know if it's because it's more recent, but you know, a lot of Greek myths certainly influence you know Western civilization, and so yeah, you start talking about the exploits of of Hercules or Heracles or or you know things like some of these biblical stories. Um, so that being said, if if somebody, you know, say, let's say you're tabling at a show and somebody comes up and they see you have, you know, the first issue of Gilgamesh there and they ask you, oh, what's this about? What? How do you describe it? Like, what's your elevator pitch for the series? Uh, well, you know, the uh, the elevator pitch, as I've as I've written it down, is uh, the epic of Gilgamesh is the world's oldest story dating back almost five millennia. But Gilgamesh's dilemma is something that remains relevant to us all today and always will. How can you live peacefully after you've been truly confronted by your own mortality? So uh, that's usually what I lead with. But then I go into, um, you know, it's it's a fantasy superhero story at the end of the day. Um, and I think it always kind of has been. It's, it's uh, uh, pretty easy to adapt that way. Um, I kind of wanted to do for uh, Gilgamesh what Jack Kirby did with Thor. Um, you know, obviously I'm not going to do it as well as Jack Kirby, but uh, a man can try, right? Right. Exactly. You know, he's trying to do your, do your best. Yeah. When it comes to Gilgamesh and his, his relationships and kind of the things that he's, he's confronted with, he, you know, despite his power, he is so relatable and it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but especially based on, again, all these myths, a lot of them that have their, their roots in Gilgamesh, it's easy to see the gods as the bad guys, so to speak, and Gilgamesh as, as the hero. Um, so when you do that, and this hero is so powerful, is there a challenge in keeping it relatable for the reader, do you think? Or does is it just an analog for you know us against something bigger than ourselves uh no i don't really see his his uh his power as as uh as a roadblock to making him relatable because i mean at the end of the first issue what he realizes is that with all of his power um he can still die like many of us and um that that fear of his own mortality is kind of the driving force throughout the the myth and the comic and i think that that is um something that is very, very easy for, for uh, people to relate to. It's certainly easy for me to relate to. Yeah. And the other thing that you, 
are exploring here in um in the book is his relationship with this uh with his best friend so to speak um in in the poem it's not necessarily portrayed as a romantic relationship but you in your story it is what was your kind of motivation for that um was it just something that you that you wanted to explore you know like a same-sex relationship or do you just think it would be a, a challenge like talk to me talk uh, talk me through that yeah i guess that's just a, a little bit of my own um uh my own my own perspective when reading the myth it seems to me like it was really easy for uh, translators and historians in the 19th and 20th century to read about Enkidu and Gilgamesh's love and uh, portray it and teach it as as platonic. But for me, I mean, uh, one of the things that Ninsun tells Gilgamesh is that he's going to love this guy like a wife. And so me, it was just always kind of clear that, that it was uh, a little bit more than a platonic love between the two. And uh, you know, it is it is my um, creative interpretation of the myth. So I just I, I followed what I felt was was right. Yeah, I I really enjoyed that aspect of the story because for me it kind of plays up his like the part of him that's a god, right? Like so often in in myths going back, uh, the the gender that gods have is so fluid right? Like you, you can choose to appear as a man. You can choose to appear as a woman. They're almost kind of above gender, if you know what I mean. And so, yeah. it, you know, you see that certainly when in comics, when it comes to, um, you know, Wonder Woman and the Amazonians, I mean, there's no men on the Island, right? You think that they're not uh, having relationships and you're just fooling yourself. So um, yeah, I really appreciated that, uh, that portion of the story. When uh, issue one came out, um, did you hear any feedback from readers? Was that well received? Um, I didn't really hear uh, about that that point specifically. I did have uh, quite a lot of good feedback from some unexpected sources. Um, I had a lot of teachers reach out to me uh, uh, asking for copies because they like to use comics to teach in the classroom and they were planning on teaching the myth. Um, so that was really interesting and unexpected. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, when you do things on Kickstarter as well, you know, you, you kind of mentioned this a little bit uh, with the challenges for the second campaign. It really is creating a, a community as well. So, uh, and, and Zoop is, is very good about that. So when it comes to the community that exists around that first issue, uh, I'm assuming you're hoping to get a lot of those guys come back for this one. And really start establishing a community around this project. Would you say that's true? Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, and uh, I think it's 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 the community that uh, drew me to Zoop when um, when the campaign ended for the second issue on Kickstarter. I had a lot of people reaching out to me asking me. You know, that was the first thing. Was I got half a dozen messages? Is this going to Zoop? Have you tried Zoop? Have you heard of Zoop? Um, and then one of the guys from Zoop reached out to me and I was like, okay, well, this just seems right. So yeah, I, uh, it's kind of the community that's bringing uh, me into Zoop. Um, and I hope to bring a lot of our uh, Kickstarter fans over if I can, if not all of them. Yeah. And the other thing that we, we haven't touched on yet when it comes to this project uh, is the artwork. I mean, it is a very distinct style. Uh, Costas uh, Pantulis is your artist. 
Um, how did you get hooked up with Costas? Was he somebody you knew before? Um, cause I, yeah, again, his, the artwork is so distinctive for this. Costas, I believe I found his portfolio on a, uh, old website called zwal.org. I'm not even sure if it's running anymore, but it was a, a forum I found where artists were, were posting their portfolios looking for, um, collaboration, uh, and I had been looking for an artist for uh, quite a long time before I found Costas. And I knew that I wanted a really unique art style for it. Uh, I wanted it to really, really stand out from the pack, but I wasn't really sure what it should be. I knew I kind of wanted a, a little bit of like techno organic, uh, you know, just something strange and different. So that it wasn't, wasn't, they didn't look like, you always imagine gods look like, you know, in the robes and they're just kind of pretty people. I wanted them to look scary in a beautiful way. And, um, I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I was looking for until I found Costas's portfolio. And, uh, when I did find it, I knew that it had to be that guy, no matter what. Um, so that's how I found him. And, uh, yeah, he's incredible. He's an incredible artist. Uh, and you know, we've, talked every weekend for like a year since then and i just every every time i talk to him i learn something new yeah the art it's it's so interesting I, it's almost really hard to describe because it's detailed when it needs to be but it's also there's an economy of line work there but yet there's a lot of detail and like cross hatching at times and everything just feels big if you know what i mean but yet he manages to um you know, the, the, the story, a lot of times what will happen if things feel big and the panels are big and the illustrations are big, it makes for, you know, a very fast paced story because you read it really quick because there's not much per page. That's not the case here with the first issue. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot here. You, you tell basically the first part of the story of, of Gilgamesh very well. So I was really, um, impressed with the art and, and the color work is very, um, it's almost pastel. So it gives it a certain feel and a, a certain tone as well. So yeah, I can't say enough um, about the artwork. And the other thing that's really interesting uh, is your letter on the project, um, which is a uh, mirror mortal. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of these word balloons that are, that are different colors, there's different fonts, uh, and it really helps to kind of separate especially when we're in kind of the realm of the gods, um, to, you know, to talk, because at the end of the day, you know, the, as you said, this is your creative interpretation of Gilgamesh, but, you know, a story that's a poem that's 5,000 years old hasn't been adapted a, a lot. Um, and again, with language having changed over time, um, it can feel daunting, I think, in a lot of ways, you know, people, and that's not just with Gilgamesh, but any kind of ancient, stories people are like you know even you can go back as recently as shakespeare and people are like i i have a hard time understanding that so for you uh is this really just okay i'm gonna take my impressions of the story rather than any sort of like word for word translation or word for word interpretation uh, you know you talked before about uh exploring gilgamesh's relationship based on kind of your impression so really just taking that impression and moving it over and then mirrors kind of translating onto the page. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think that's, that's uh, uh, fair to say. There is an 
a ton of line to line, like verbatim uh, dialogue in the comic book. There is some, but uh, you know, I was trying to be aware of that, you know, jarring nature of the 5,000 year old language and the 200 year old translation. And so uh, when I do use it, I, I, I use it for a jarring effect. Um, there is a line in the first issue when Inanna is, is uh, demanding to be allowed to send the bowl of heaven to Uruk. Um, and she very famously gives this speech about how if uh, if she's not allowed to do this, then she's going to, and I'm not going to say it verbatim uh, uh, right now because I don't remember it, but it's, it's basically that she's going to uh, raise the dead and the dead will outnumber the living and the dead will eat the living. And I just, uh, it, that was just a moment where I felt like there was no interpretation that would be more powerful than uh, that line, which I think a lot of people have maybe heard before, but uh, maybe didn't know that it came from Gilgamesh. Um, right. It's often cited as, as, humanity's first reference to zombies which i think is uh funny but um yeah so so the that was something that i kept in mind and mira's work is incredible uh all of that is her just her her basic instinct uh reading the story understanding um uh the the need for for different styles and and colors for each character um and uh Every time I send a, uh, uh, get a page back from her, I'm in, I'm impressed and I'm surprised and I'm uh, jumping jumping up and down because I I couldn't see anyone doing it better than her. Yeah, again, like the whole package um, from the way you p- paste it out and and the language, um, you know, we're talking vocabulary here, and it's like uh, it's it's really it's an easy read. But at the same time, you do sort of get this feel that's, you know, an ancient story. They're certainly not speaking in our, you know, vernacular of today. So I think all of that, along with the, the work that Mira did, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. So I'm excited to see issue two. Um, so as I said, everyone, it launches January 31st. And um, I'm going to ask Cam about some of the rewards that are possible. I mentioned it's probably going to be possible to get issue one. So I want some clarification on that. But before I do that. I'm going to take some time to remind everybody um, how you can really help out Cam and Casa Samir and the, and the whole team uh, besides joining the campaign to get these incredible books, obviously. Um, but if this just doesn't sound like it's for you or it sounds right up your alley, but you just don't have the means to support it right now. The other thing that you can do to really help out this team is to spread the word on social media, right? Like we, uh, we know, you know, Cam talked about the challenges of the second campaign on Kickstarter you know, likely would have been successful if enough people heard about it, right? So let's get this in front of as many eyes as possible. Uh, as I always say, the worst thing is when you find out about a creator-owned campaign that you would have loved to have been a part of after it's it's over. And, you know, Zoop does mitigate that somewhat with their shop, and you can go back later. But uh, as with a lot of these crowdfunding things, if it doesn't hit a certain minimum threshold, so these amazing creators can get paid for their work, they just can't afford to, to put it out. So if you can't afford to join the campaign and and get this amazing book for yourself, then please just share it on social media. Let your friends know about it. Um, uh, I, I think there's educational value even here for this particular story because of, you know, the legend and the myth of, of Gilgamesh. And uh, again, I, I hadn't read this, or the story of Gilgamesh in over 20 years since I was in college. And I read the first issue that um, Gal was generous enough to share with me. And then I 
fell down a rabbit hole and went and, you know, I was reading articles on, on the internet and whatnot, Googling Gilgamesh to, to remind myself of the story. So again, there's, there's definitely some uh, educational value there. So uh, with that being said, what are some of the rewards cam that, uh, and some of the tiers and whatnot that people will be able to get uh, when the Zoop campaign launches on the 31st? Yeah. So uh, obviously we're offering the first two issues. Um, I am playing with this the idea of a director's cut for the first issue uh, because we're going to reprint it, but uh, I found, uh, I thought it was all sold out, but I recently found a box of like 30 copies of the, the first print run in my office. And I think I'm going to be offering those on the campaign as well. Uh, but on top of that, we are going to reprint a, a, a Zoop exclusive of the first issue that is going to um, have uh, just a little odds and ends tied up that that we didn't quite get to with the first issue. Uh, Costas is going to be touching up the color a little bit, and uh, there's going to be a little bit of dialogue change just to uh, keep the series tonally whole. Um, so yeah, both of those will be on there. We are offering... Uh, three covers for the second issue, one by Costas, and uh, the other two haven't been announced yet. I haven't shared them yet, but uh, those are coming soon, and they're gorgeous, and I wish I could tell you more about them. Um, we're also going to be offering a digital bundle, which is going to have uh, comics from a bunch of my, uh, my friends online that wanted to share their comic with me so graciously. Uh, so you'll be able to get that along with digital copies of, of Gilgamesh, uh, and a whole bunch more, a whole bunch more. Gotcha. So there will be a link in the show notes, everybody. Um, cause obviously Cam and I are, are talking about this, uh, a few days before it goes live. So, uh, but this issue, uh, this episode will drop on the day it goes live. I'll put a link to the campaign, encourage everybody to go and check it out. Um, I got to ask because again, Costas art is so uh, incredible. Is there going to be any, any chance to get art? Like, is, is he going to be doing any uh, commissions or are there any pages from, uh, from either issue that are going to be uh, available for any uh, art collectors? Yeah, we're going to have pages from uh, both issues available. Costas works traditionally. So they're uh, being shipped here right from Greece and uh, yep, you're going to be able to get those. And we're also doing a uh, limited, uh, sketch postcard sketch commission from Costas as well. Fantastic. Uh, well, as we're winding down here, um, you know, best of luck with the campaign. Uh, again, I think the story um, and the, the first issue I got to read was really cool. Uh, is there anything else that you want to, uh, to share with our listeners? Uh, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I just, you know, want to thank everybody who has supported Gilgamesh so far. And uh, I would be eternally grateful if, if, uh, you would visit our campaign this time as well. Great. And um, if anybody wants to, to follow along on social media and find out, you know, news about Gilgamesh or other work you're doing, do you have a presence online anywhere? Uh, Instagram, Twitter, anything like that? Yep. I'm most active on Twitter at Cam Curfew. Okay. And I'll put a link to Cam's Twitter in uh, the show notes as well, everybody. So if you're having trouble finding them, you can go and, uh, and click there. So again, best of luck with the campaign, Cam. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. And to you listeners, again, uh, as I said, even if you're not able to join the campaign, if you can spread the word and help out Cam and his uh, creative team, I'm sure he and they will really appreciate it. So thanks to you listeners for listening as always, and we will talk to you next time. 
You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.